Welcome to the Rebellion Brewing Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Barton. Imagine you and your friends find yourself in a mysterious, dimly lit room filled with Persian-style rugs, opulent finery, glittering gems, and the pleasant aroma of burning incense. In the middle of the room, you see an oil lamp that looks strangely similar to the one from Disney's Aladdin. Your curiosity gets the best of you, and you can't help but rub the lamp and even if it's only just to make your best Robin Williams impersonation. Excuse me? Are you looking at me? Did you rub my lamp? Did you wake me up? Did you bring me here? A genie appears. He smiles with menace and he tells you he will destroy you unless you can solve his challenge. Telling him his favorite ten stories from Tales of a Thousand and One Nights. You take a second look around the room and you realize there are puzzles and locks and clues hidden throughout and a clock begins to count down. Welcome to the Curse of the Evil Genie. It's one of the escape rooms hosted by the Escape Club right here in Regina. And today I'm sitting down with Dale Da Silva, the owner of the Escape Club and creator of Curse of the Evil Genie Puzzle Room, located right here down the street from the Rebellion Tap Room in the Warehouse District. Dale, welcome to the show. Thank you, glad to be here. How's it going? Uh, always good. And you? <laughs> you seem a little stunned. <laughs> um, I tried to not be in public ever, so <laughs> it's just the way I rule. <laughs> now I'm shoving you in the spotlight. <laughs> I don't mind it on occasion. Well, before we get into the escape room, which I, I really want to ask you a bunch of questions about that, we're going to be drinking Rogue Chocolate Stout. Cheers. Are you a big Rogue fan? Uh, I've been down to the brewery there and had their maple bacon voodoo donut beer, which was uh, surprisingly amazing. It's one of those beers where you're like, I'm not sure how this is going to go over. And then you taste it and you're like, that went over just fine. Uh, also, this is the major reason why I'm actually here on the show. Because <laughs> I told you there'd be chocolate stuff? <laughs> Mostly, yes. Ooh, that's really nice. Oh my. That is good. I bet it's going to be even better when it warms up a bit. I'm going to hold it in my hands and kind of warm it a bit. Agreed. It's like a rich cocoa flavor on the front. Nice, roasty, toasty. I love it. Yeah, Portland was one of my happy places. Uh, they have over 500 food trucks in a city of 600,000 people. Uh, this is as of like a decade ago, so there's probably even more now. And all the microbreweries you can imagine in one place uh, they'd actually have uh, parking lots downtown that the entire parking lot was just food trucks backed up all the way around and filled with people going to eat yeah at lunchtime it was packed and uh, again with Portland the entire downtown there's no traffic from cars at all everybody takes public transit to get downtown so there's no rush hour in Portland really yeah it's mind-boggling like they take their bikes and they uh, take public transit? They public transit, but they have trains coming in from every quadrant. Are cars not allowed on the roads? Uh, they're totally allowed, but people just choose not to because you walk downtown and then when you are when you walk downtown, you go out for lunch because there's so much stuff to actually do and see and soft shell crab for $6 from a food truck. Hard to argue with that. Really? I So you're saying I need to make it down to Portland? You really need to make it down to Portland. <laughs> I'm really enjoying my first few steps of this beer. Uh, one of the cool things is it features an ingredient known as chocolate malt, 
doesn't actually have cocoa or milk in it. And when I was looking online, I was kind of confused because I was like, oh man, this is going to be full of dairy and it's going to bother me because I can't have lots of dairy. It just gives me a tummy ache. But I found out there's no actual dairy in the beer. What they've done is used a chocolate malt roasted a specific way to achieve the same chemical output for your tongue to perceive the chocolate flavor. Oh, fascinating. And it tastes, in my opinion, fantastic. It's, yeah, that's hard to argue with. It's like thick and creamy and rich. It helps that I'm definitely a porter stout guy. Yeah? <laughs> Stouts are my favorite too. Anything with co coffee chocolate tinges is right up my alley. Oh, this is a big this is a big good coffee chocolate one. This one has also won multiple awards, including four gold medals at the World Beer Championships and the world's best sweet stout at the World Beer Awards. So this is quite a decorated ale, probably the biggest award-winning ale we've drank so far on the podcast. Uh, do you happen to know what makes it a sweet stout? Well, the sweetness would come from the malt. Yeah. yeah. The malt would have the starches converted into sugars, and then sugars would be present and sweet. Oh, there it is. There's, yeah, that little sweetness on the aftertaste. Well, to me, this is a very sweet beer. Oh, interesting. In the range of beers that I've tasted that aren't cut with sugar or added with juice, mm. I would consider this quite sweet. Um, I would definitely uh, be okay with drinking a pint or two of this. Mm -hmm. Now, Rebellion's done chocolate stouts before. Yeah. We've also done milk stouts with lactose. So they'll have lactose sugar in there. And, uh, it just rounds it out, gives it a nice creamy sweetness. Uh, generally one of my favorite genres of beer. Milk stouts? Yeah. So you've probably tried Blackbridge's milk stout? Uh, yes, we actually have it on tap in our board game cafe area at the moment. You dig it. Is it really popular? Uh, yes, uh, for those who like stouts. <laughs> um, for those who don't like stouts, uh, it's hard to convince them that a milk stout. You don't start with the milk stouts when you're introducing people to the darker beers. <laughs> My good buddy Kent, he's the one who brought me this chocolate stout. He went to the States. He's a big beer guy. He was in Las Vegas and Portland. Uh, I know he was in Texas, I think, for a little while, maybe Arizona. And he knows I'm a big beer guy. So he always kind of brings me back a little present or a surprise when he goes out on his trips. One of the things I think is a disadvantage for Rogue is in Saskatchewan, um, the beer tends to arrive and sit on shelves too long and properly stored and go stale. So every time I've had a Rogue IPA or a Rogue um, Pale Ale, I find it kind of tastes like cardboard and the hops just aren't popping, they aren't bright, and it really contrasts with what people are saying online. And I'm like, how can you guys like this beer? It tastes awful to me. But I think the fact is, if it's not stored properly, stored cold, and delivered to you in a timely, fresh manner, you're going to get a subpar beer. So I don't want to blame Rogue for the fact their beer has been improperly stored. Well, and having been to their brewery in Portland, uh, I think I sampled about 16 different beers. Uh, during happy hour and it was 
Uh, I'd say about 12 of them were absolute hits, uh, which I find anything over 50% being a positive for a brewery. The, uh, this is actually why I liked Blackbridge. Uh, so far they have a 100% success rate with me. Uh, I've tried about 16 of their beers so far, and even beers I don't like, like lagers, uh, I still can appreciate what they're doing with it because it's got that nice, clear, crisp finish. Uh, but Rogue, um, getting it up here, as you're saying, that bottle shelf time, it doesn't end well for beers, which is, again, why it's nice that Regina has microbreweries now and so many of them popping up that I fully encourage that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you've been spoiled by the Portland craft beer scene. It's hard to come back and not have it. It's true. Uh, Deschutes Brewery uh, currently has my all-time favorite beer. It was their... 25th anniversary edition of their Black Butte, uh, where they infused it with plums and gave it this nice, rich finish. It was, I don't think I've ever described a beer as decadent before, but it was, uh, I might have brought a case back and uh, told my cousins that I went with that uh, they were claiming four of each. <laughs> you made them bring back beer on your behalf? Mostly, yes. Nice. <laughs> was it a barrel-aged offering? Uh, I believe it was, yes. Yeah, they'd actually been uh, storing it for, I think it was, oh, I don't remember how long it was, but it was, it took on all the flavors of the barrel. Okay. It was by far the most flavorful beer I'd ever had, but it wasn't overpowering. It just melded perfectly with the stouty goodness. <laughs> so maybe a little smoke, a little bourbon, mm. a little plum, stone fruit notes. Uh, would you describe that as? And then it all came together. It was like a party in your mouth and everyone was invited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about Escape Club. What makes for a good escape room? It really comes down to people wanting uh, conscious entertainment. Most people are used to mindless entertainment uh, where you're just watching something and you kind of go into autopilot mode or you're playing a video game and you kick into this subconscious like repetitive motion mode. Uh, whereas escape rooms, uh, much like the board games we have in the Board Game Cafe, are critical thinking and you have to actually think about every one of your actions. You have to absorb what's around you, become aware in the moment. And then it involves communication, teamwork, cooperation. Uh, so it really brings out the best of the human mind. I've noticed that there are a number of escape rooms now in Regina. Uh, far more than there used to be a few years ago. What's going on? What's driving that? Uh, Regina was actually slow to the market. Uh, I did my first escape room just over three years now in Calgary. And at that time, uh, Calgary only had one location with two rooms. After doing, I actually didn't even know what an escape room was. A friend of mine on Facebook just announced that she was going to something called Nerd Night Calgary. And I had no idea what Nerd Night Calgary was. So I realized that I needed to know what Nerd Night Calgary was. So I automatically just hit join. Um, side note, I'm a giant nerd. Um, <laughs> and so it was at the locked room in Calgary, which was an escape room. And I had no idea what that was. So I just showed up unawares. Uh, my friend bailed, so it was 
me and seven total strangers uh, locked inside of a pirate-themed room. We ended up uh, starting out handcuffed in a brig of a pirate ship. And you were physically handcuffed? Physically handcuffed. To each other? Uh, yes. And then I believe we were actually blindfolded on our way in as well. Uh, most escape rooms actually, when I first started, I'd say about 25% of all escape rooms I did, uh, like I played, were you were either blindfolded, handcuffed, in the dark, or blindfolded, handcuffed, in the dark, on your knees, uh, which is the one escape room that I did. And uh, the good thing about that is it instantly puts somebody in that the emotions that then make it so that you don't actually need to have a you don't have to have a highly decorated room when you have the emotions already triggered from people being blindfolded handcuffed and um, on their knees uh, the fear factor kicks in and then your brain will create these scenarios around the surroundings uh, we wanted the, the first room for Regina to be a little bit more bright and open so after doing the escape room in Calgary, uh, within 30 seconds of walking out of there, I decided that uh, I needed to open up an escape room. Uh, just watching people working together, uh, communicating, uh, critically thinking, something we often don't get in our jobs at work uh, or in life in general. Um, but uh, we need more of because it's so innate to the human spirit. Um, especially in younger folk, uh, teenagers, uh, of the teenagers that have gone through my room, I've so far asked 624 of them if they had, if they would actually give up their cell phones for an entire week, if they could do another room right away. 501 have said yes, they would not touch their cell phones for an entire week, if they could just do another room. That's a pretty hefty proposition. It really is. Um, and I usually, if there is a parent around, I will double check and say, now the kid cannot touch their phone for the entire week. And the kids still agree to it because again, I think cell phones just occupy kids' brains. But if we were to actually give kids enough material to occupy their own brains, I'm pretty sure they would just solve all the world's issues in about a week and a half. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the adults wouldn't like the solutions because we tend to carve ourselves our own little niche in system and we don't like people messing with that niche. You do an escape room in Calgary, you get out 30 seconds later, you realize this is it, I gotta do this. You come back to Regina, open your place. Did you design the puzzles yourself? So I ended up uh, partnering with a company out of Winnipeg actually that had this wonderful temporary wall design and so we partnered with them to build our first escape room. Uh, with the temporary wall design we didn't actually need to apply for building permits because it was a temporary structure, like a trade show booth. Um, and so we were able to, uh, once we found our uh, temporary location, we were able to get up and running within one month of uh, signing our lease. And we're now up to four rooms and a board game cafe. How difficult are your rooms? Is it, is it a really challenging puzzle? Is it something you can solve in one night or is it something you kind of come back to? Um, so for our rooms, uh, we're a little bit different than most escape rooms where all of our rooms are one hour long. Uh, they're also incredibly challenging, but uh, we offer unlimited hints. So if your group is ever stuck, uh, we use time-based hints. So if your group is ever stuck for more than a certain allotment of time, uh, we'll just give you a little nudge in the right direction. 
again, that first escape room that I had done in Calgary, it was, a, as I mentioned, a pirate-themed room, and you only got one hint at the time. So we ended up trying to hold off on using that hint for as long as possible. And there was a good 20 minutes that we hadn't done anything. And so with 10 minutes left, we finally were like, okay, that's it. We got to call for a hint. And we all decided as a team that we'd get a hint. We called for the hint, uh, which most escape rooms, they use either a push button or a walkie-talkie type system. Uh, so this one was a walkie-talkie system. So we called in for a hint. Uh, the girl actually came into the room, uh, kind of snapped us all out of the pirate theme that we were in. She looked around, uh, saw what we had and hadn't done, uh, pointed at one item and told us, you just need to do this like this. And then she turned around, she was about to walk away, and I stopped her. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Uh, first, that wasn't a hint, that was just the answer. Uh, and then second, uh, I actually tried that about 15, 20 minutes ago, he tried that, she tried that, here you try that. And it took her about uh, three attempts to open this one lock. And when we all looked at her quizzically, she just mentioned, oh, uh, this is a really difficult lock, and then put the object down and walked out. And so we were all just kind of stunned for about 30 seconds, and then we realized we only had nine minutes left. <laughs> so we kicked back into gear after a minute or two, uh, but then we ended up cruising through the rest of the room and finishing. Uh, it was still tremendous amounts of fun, but that one little moment kind of snapped me out, and then that's when I realized that uh, when I was opening up mine, that we would have a room that had a full-time monitor so this is another differentiation from our rooms. Uh, each of our rooms has one person full-time watching your group. So they know exactly where you're at, uh, what you've done, what you need to do. And then uh, that also makes it better for giving clues where if you're in an escape room, you don't know how much you have left. You don't know what's needed. You don't know how close you are to solving a puzzle. So it's tough to, when you have limited clues, to ask for a clue when you don't really know what your situation is. Uh, with this methodology, we can actually make sure that groups are constantly uh, flowing and then the room almost scales to the group. Uh, so if you've never done a room before, we'll just nudge you along as you go and you'll get a dozen hints uh, and you'll progress all the way through and end up, you know, 60-70% of the way through the room. Whereas if you are, come with a Wiley veteran group, your crew, uh, there are many people who have their escape crews who actually go around and try to set records at uh, locations in bigger cities like Toronto. Uh, so if you come in with your escape crew and you're, you've done 20 rooms each before, you'll fly through our rooms, uh, our junior room for example, the record without any prompting whatsoever is 32 minutes out of the hour. Uh, but that was a group of 10 people who each uh, had done a few rooms before and two of them had done like 20 some rooms before so they cruised through everything like wily veterans would <laughs> um, which is again another uh, differentiation that we have with our rooms uh, all our rooms hold between uh, two and uh, up to 16 people so our rooms are designed for more our smallest room still holds 10 people so if you want to, if it's your first time coming into a game or maybe it's your, your second or third, what kind of composition for a team works? In general, uh, the most diverse group of friends you possibly can bring. Uh, age, gender, 
height, ethnicity, uh, whatever kind of diversity you can you can bring to the table, uh, especially personality types. My favorite um, pairing in a room that I like to watch is grandparents and grandkids. Uh, whenever in the room together, they inevitably will join up and they will crush whatever they put their minds to. Uh, the exuberance of youth and the wisdom of old age uh, combined just demolishes all puzzles. <laughs> um, but I find that uh, I always like to use uh, this one example. This group of 10, 11-year-old ringette girls crushed the genie room, and then they were immediately followed by a group of eight electrical engineers uh, who only made it about 65% of the way through, and that's because they just thought too much alike. Uh, so it doesn't matter how smart you are in an escape room, it's more about how diverse your intelligence is. And the group of ringette girls had no issues with communication. I always like to say that the only bad idea is the one that stays in your head uh, so that you should let all ideas fly up. <laughs> Except for that one guy, he should just tone it down a notch. <laughs> My first time I went to an escape room, I walked in and I hadn't been told what it was about. I didn't understand the layout. I didn't know what anything meant. So I walked in and they locked the door behind you and they didn't give us any hints. And I'm staring at this padlock and I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a weird feature for a room. Like, why would they do that? And it wasn't until 15 minutes later, somebody's like, oh, that's for the game. That's a lock to unlock to get a clue. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea so I kind of stumbled through feeling frustrated by it because I didn't understand what the puzzles were or what that meant because I had no context no paradigm but what worked was my my uh, friend's wife is a school teacher she had this innate ability to kind of pick apart the threads and the, the tassels and the strands <laughs> and even if we were working on a puzzle or looking at a thing, she would just walk up and kind of solve it like that. She's like, oh, where are you guys? What are you guys reading? What are you looking at? And she was just like, boom. Her, her mind just works that way. I, I, I don't know what it was. Should everybody bring a school teacher? Are they <laughs> like a ringer? Um, there are definitely ringers, uh, people that are uh, puzzle fiends. I've seen families in the room where the six or seven-year-old was the puzzle fiend and ended up doing most of the heavy lifting of the group, solving like 40, 50% of the puzzles, uh, which is always impressive for a six-year-old. But it's more about, uh, again, just bringing your awareness to the moment. Uh, with our genie room, uh, being as it was the first room in Regina, we actually designed it to be almost like a training room for escape rooms. So on the way in, uh, we set up the premise of exactly what you're looking for, uh, we introduce the different types of locks that uh, we found in the room. And again, we try to do it uh, in an immersive setting. So we're not just telling you, hey, here's a lock, here's how you use it. But we work it into the room design. And then that way, um, we don't want to punish people for not being able to open a lock that they've never seen before. Uh, the goal of the escape room is to solve the puzzle. So if you solve the puzzle and you're at the correct lock, we'll just be able to nudge you into... Um, trying that again, because uh, again, my first experience where we solved it, went to the lock, didn't open, and then your innate response isn't, you know what, I'm just going to keep trying this until it opens. Your innate response is, you know what, I didn't, that didn't work for me, here, here you tried it. Okay, didn't work for you either. All right, it's got to be something else. Move on. And so with 
our uh, genie room. Again, we designed it to be a training room, so then we don't leave you hanging for uh, 15 minutes. We give you a little nudge uh, right out of the get. Uh, most groups will get, if they need it, uh, their first nudge within five minutes. And then that way you puts you on the right track and then you can flow from there. Okay. <laughs> You're like, this is the color red. <laughs> and now that you understand what the color red is, you can proceed. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, more so, this is the color red. It means stop. And then when you see a stop sign, you realize, oh, that means stop. <laughs> there was something special, uh, something interesting you said to me about your space. There's the escape rooms, but you also kind of have a cafe atmosphere where you have craft beer, you have coffee and croissants and cookies, and it looks like it's a place for people to come together. Was that intentional? We would notice that uh, groups would actually leave the escape room and they would sit outside our window and the longest I've ever heard a group sitting and chatting about the escape room was about an hour and a half, uh, just standing on the street chatting about it. So at which point I was like, well, if you're going to chat about it, you might as well drink beer. And so then I decided that when we launched our new place, we would have a cafe lounge area where people could grab a beer and just sit and chat about the room if they so desired. Kind of like a debriefing or a decompression? Yeah. And then I didn't want to get into the restaurant business, so I mostly just wanted to have uh, good food and good beer. And there are so many wonderful places around town that have ridiculously good items. So we decided to try to partner with them to bring in basically my favorite stuff from all around Regina. Uh, that way, if I built the cafe area uh, and nobody came, I would have good beer and good food and I'd be all right. What is Wascanico? Uh, so Wascanico is a joint training escape exercise from the three locally owned escape rooms in town. Uh, just to give people uh, that, you know, in-field escape room training in case you ever run into that emergency situation where you need to use those escape room skills. Groups uh, will work their way through and then the winner at the end will get uh, $175 worth of gift cards for our escape rooms plus uh, other swags from local uh, businesses. Uh, which isn't bad for a $150 entry fee. <laughs> I want to thank you for your time today, Dale. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here <laughs> and drink beer. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers to you. <laughs> Rebels, thank you for tuning in this week. If you want to find the latest news about Rebellion Brewing, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Untapped. I will be including links to Dale's Escape Club on the website and in the posts on social media. Thank you for joining the Rebellion.